Today we're talking about worship is lifestyle. Somebody say worship is lifestyle. And next Sunday we're going to talk about worship is desperation. Worship is desperation. If you're sick, the first thing that happens is you lose your hunger. You lose your desperation. And God wants you to be hungry for him. Amen. I want you to come to church next week. We're going to put a hunger for God inside of you. Amen. Here's my prayer for you. God, I'm praying that God would give you a hunger for his presence more than a pregnant woman craves for cheesecake at 3 o'clock in the morning. You'd be hungry for God. So hungry for God. Amen. Listen, my, when I met my wife and we got married, she used to say, honey, I don't like to pray like you. You, you crazy Africans. You like to wake up at 3 o'clock in the morning and pray. I'm sorry, honey. I'm not African. I'm American. I won't pray in the nighttime. Okay. She's like, nighttime, I sleep until she was pregnant and she started having cravings. She would push me and wake me up and send me off to the, to the city looking for all kinds of cheesecakes and lemons, all kinds of crazy stuff. Here's a woman who would not wake up to pray, but she woke up with cravings early in the morning because cravings were going on inside of her stomach. I pray in the name of Jesus that God will give you cravings for his presence. If you believe that, say amen and amen. Who gives a pregnant woman cravings? The same God can give you cravings for his presence. Hallelujah. And then on third Sunday, we're going to talk about worship is transformative. I told you last Sunday, you cannot be in a room filled with a bunch of people that are smoking and not come out of that room smelling like smoke. You cannot be in the presence of God like this without addictions and all kinds of stuff falling off you. Worship is transformative. And on fourth Sunday, we're going to talk about worship is warfare. Worship is warfare. Amen. Listen, this is the time to begin to worship God until your depression falls down to the ground. Amen. There's too much depression out there. Listen, the next prescription you need is worship. Come on, somebody shout hallelujah. I'm telling you, you're going to take worship in the morning, worship in the afternoon, worship in the evening. You're going to go back to your, to your psychologist and they'll tell you, we don't need to give you this pill anymore because worship is warfare. Come on, you believe it. If you believe it, shout Amen. But today we're talking about worship is lifestyle. So I am going to do my best here to go through this in the next 20 minutes or so. Amen. Now, next to your notes, there's a little piece of paper here. I want you to write any question you have about worship on this little piece of paper. And as you're leaving today, there's going to be an usher on that door. Just drop that in the back it, okay? And if you don't get to think of a question, you can go online as well. And ask your question or you can email us as well or you can just go on our Facebook and say, here is my question about worship. Amen. Wonderful. Listen, I'm believing God for something great this month. I'm believing God for a mighty move of God in this place. Somebody say amen if you believe it. Hallelujah. Worship is lifestyle. Somebody shout lifestyle. One more time. Lifestyle. Worship is lifestyle. Book of Genesis chapter 22 from 1 to 6. You have it here on your notes. So I want you to read that, that later. But this is a story of Abraham sacrificing his son Isaac. And I'm going to tell you the story today. And this is going to be our main text. Amen. And by the way, this is the place where the word worship is mentioned for the first time in the Bible. 
there's something that we call the law of introduction, which simply means the first place where a word is mentioned, God was trying to teach you how you, you ought to do that particular thing. So this is very foundational. Amen. And then let's turn our Bibles to the book of John chapter 4, verse 23. John chapter 4, verse 23. John chapter 4, verse 23. And as soon as it's up, we're going to read together. One, two, three, go. Yet a time is coming when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For they are the kind of worshipers the Father. For they are the kind of. They are the kind of. One more time. They are the kind of worshipers. God is not looking for worship. God is looking for. God is not looking for worship. If all of us in this place, if all of the 7 billion human beings decided to not worship God another day, God is not going to have a shortage of worship. Because the rocks will cry out and worship him. The mountains will declare his goodness. The trees will clap their hands and bless the Lord. The oceans will thunder with worship. God is not looking for your worship. God is, does not have a shortage of worship. God is looking for a worshiper. It's a person. Worship is not what you do. Worship is who you have become. It's not what you do. That's why the Bible doesn't say God is seeking for worship. God is not looking for worship. You will never find anywhere in the Bible where it says God is looking for worship. God is looking for worshipers. It says the Father seeks worshipers. The reason the Father is seeking because it's very difficult to find someone who is a true worshiper. A lot of people worship, but they're not worshipers. You can be in, the, you can be in a garage. It doesn't make you a car. You can be in church, you can call yourself a worshiper, you can sing, it doesn't make you a worshiper. Worship is not about singing. Worship is who you have become. Worship is a lifestyle. That's why from the book of Genesis chapter 22, God comes to Abraham and he says, Abraham, I want you to get up and go to Moriah. Thank you, Jesus. Hey, there we go. Let's celebrate LJ. Come on, let's appreciate. Let's appreciate these guys and all they do. In Genesis chapter 22, God speaks to Abraham. He says, get up. I want you to get up and go to Moriah. Somebody shout Moriah. This is like God telling you, I want you to wake up and go to California. And just go to California. God, where in California, there's San Francisco, there's L.A. I mean, California is big. God told Abraham, I want you to get up and go to Moriah. And once you're there, I'll show you where you need to be. And the Bible says in the book of Genesis chapter 22, verse 3, it says, early in the morning. Somebody shout early in the morning. It says, early in the morning, Abraham got up. 
early in the morning he got up. You have to remember, Abraham has be, had been waiting for a long time to have his son Isaac. And now God is asking him to sacrifice his son. And he wakes up early in the morning and he sets off. I want you to know that true worshipers live a lifestyle of surrender. True worshipers live a lifestyle of surrender and obedience. He got up early. He woke up. He got up early. Somebody shout early. I told you, worship is not what you do. It's who, it's who you've become. Are you living a lifestyle of surrender? Are you living a lifestyle of obedience? Can God trust you to obey what he's saying? There's a man in England who God spoke to to start a church. And he started this church. And uh, he started putting flyers in the city and, and printing, talking about this church launch in the newspaper. And on the launch day, at the time when this church was supposed to start, nobody showed up. Could you, could you imagine me in here with my, with my wife and little kids waiting and nobody shows up? And he said, God, what should I do? And God spoke to him to start leading worship. And he started singing to nobody. And then he started preaching to nobody. And towards the end of the service with nobody, there was a little young man who just staggered into that building and sat down. And he preached to this one man. How willing are you to do things that are unpopular just to live a life of surrender to God? That is worship. It's obedience. This was unpopular. I mean, to, to, to be, you're the pastor of the church where two or three gather literally. I mean, just one person was in there, not even two. The Bible says, I mean, the, the story says he preached and he preached and he preached. I am praying right now in the name of Jesus that God will cause you to live a life of surrender. That's true worship. Before the music starts, before we come in here and start singing, what's God saying to you? And here's what happened. That one young man that he preached to became one of the first missionaries to go to the continent of Africa and start preaching the gospel. And his name was David Livingstone. And he started revival on the continent of Africa. If you go today in Africa, Africa is on fire for Jesus. 25,000 people are saved every single day in Africa because this man preached to this one young man for years and years. And God turned this young man into a revivalist. I pray in the name of Jesus that you'd begin to walk in what we call dangerous obedience in the name of Jesus. Somebody shout hallelujah. hallelujah. It was unpopular to do what he was doing. But he lived a life of surrender. Somebody shout number two. I want to give you the second point. The second thing that Abraham did was that when he got to Moriah. I'm going to take a little time here today. When he got to Moriah. God showed him the place, the mountain where he was supposed to go. And here's what he did. Watch this. Watch this. Because this is what true worship is. He spoke to his two servants. And he said, guys, you're going to wait right here while my son and I go up the mountain to worship. This is the first place where the word worship is mentioned. He said, stay right here. Somebody shout, stay right here. 
True worship, worshipers, real worshipers know and they live a lifestyle of separation. You will never enter into a place of real worship without separation. When we started the tabernacle of Moses, there was three, three places. The first was called the outer courts. Somebody say outer courts. And then there was the inner courts. Somebody say inner courts. And then there was the holy of holies. Somebody say holy of holies. Picture coming to somebody's house and they have a gate. And then you enter into their yard. And then after that, you go to the second level. You go into their living room. And then after that, they let you go into their bedroom. And you go into the bedroom, which is the most intimate place. Into the bedroom, into the chambers of God. That's the most intimate place. The priests would enter into the outer courts, into the yard. They would separate themselves from the people. And then they would go to the next level, the, the living room. They would separate themselves with people that are supposed to be outside. And then they would separate themselves and go into the most holy place. And that's where God was. You will never experience true worship until you begin to live a lifestyle of separation. Abraham said, guys, thank you for coming all the way to Moriah with us. I love you. You're awesome. But where we're going, you can't come with us. We're going to have to separate right here. If you're going to live a life of worship, a true worship, God's going to ask you to be separated from certain things. I know what I'm talking about. Years ago, I told you this story before. Years ago, I, I, I thought I fell in love with this amazing, beautiful senorita, this beautiful Spanish girl. Church girl. She was a pastor's daughter. She loved Jesus and she loved beans and, 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 and rice. And I happened to love beans and rice. And from nowhere, from nowhere, you listen to me, young people, from nowhere, because I'm a worship, I felt a tug in my spirit. God saying, you will never reach the place that I'm calling you to until you separate with this senorita. And I said, God, no, no, this, this, is, this is the devil. I bind you in the name of Jesus. I bind you. Nada, nada, nada. I, I bind you. I bind you in the name of Jesus. Ahora, 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 see, I bind you, ahora. And I just felt in my spirit God saying, this is serious business. Zenzo, you need to separate. There was nothing wrong with her, nothing crazy with her, but I just knew. There was a signal in my spirit that said, Zenzo, you need to separate. And it was difficult. It was tough. I was one of those guys, I broke my own heart. I, I was walking around. I didn't comb my hair for, for two months, and I had hair back then. I had S, I had S curls. There's, there's something about not combing your hair when you got S curls in the hair. This is, it, that thing starts to turn gold, okay? I mean, it was a very difficult time, but I knew that I would not be here today if I did not separate. And then after that, God started asking me to separate from other things. My wife and I went two years without TV. Nothing wrong with TV. I'm not one of those fanatical preachers that tells you if you're watching TV, you're the donor. I don't know. I don't believe in any of that stuff. Of course, you've got to be careful what you watch, right? But God asked us to take two years and to give it to him. We started reading with our kids. We started to separate. We started to wait upon God. We started to seek God's face. And we began to see miracles in our lives. Then God continued to ask me to separate from things. I get ashamed to talk about this sometimes, but God has given me the go-ahead to talk about these things because I want you to understand the importance of true worship. 
And then for seven years, God asked me to take three days every single month. No food, no water, no, te no technology, no Facebook, no Twitter, none of that stuff. Just in a room seeking God's face. And we began to see God do some amazing things. True worship is separation. Somebody shouts separation. So, Father, I pray in the name of Jesus. Give your people the grace to obey you. Give your people the grace to obey you. Some of you, God has been speaking to you to separate with certain, certain personalities, certain people, certain things, certain stuff. You may not understand why, but true worship is a life of separation. Abraham and his child would have never gone up to worship if they did not separate with those servants. They needed to separate. Somebody shout separate. Hallelujah. The third thing I want to tell you is this is the first place yet again where the word worship is mentioned. But what's amazing is there's no music there. No drums, no guitars, no pianos, no microphones. There's no music. There's wood, there's knives, and there's fire. Because true worship does not start with music. Say amen, somebody. It doesn't start with music. I'm going to take a little time here and deposit something into your spirit. You see, we've created a problem when we become preoccupied with the means and not the end. Music is just a means to an end. So you find a bunch of people who take so much time focusing on their music and their songs. So much that they forget who they're even singing about. I've seen people who pray <laughs> and they focus so much on how the prayer sounds and the intonation. And making sure that it fits this theological and ecclesiastical orders and they're focusing on that and they forget who they're praying about. We worship the means and not the end. Worship, somebody shout worship. The word worship simply means worth-ship. Worth-ship, the same root. Somebody say worth-ship. It's where you put your worth. It's where you put your value. One more time, say worth-ship. It's where you put your value. It's where you put your worth. If you begin to put your worth and your, and your value on something other than God, that particular thing becomes an idol. So you, you find a young lady. I, I, I've met girls before who say, Pastor, I'm sorry I can't come to church anymore. Why? My boyfriend does not want me to come to church. That boyfriend just became an idol. I've met people who say, God, I just, uh, Pastor, I just got a new job. And so I cannot come to church on Sunday. I cannot give God my first fruits because I need to be home preparing for Monday. That job just became an idol. Because you're putting your worth and your value on something that is simply a means to an end. It's not, it's not the end. It's just a means. It becomes idol worship. And a lot of people who call themselves worshipers are not worshipers. They worship idols. Why do I know that? Because this is something I'm wrestling with myself. I'm not here to preach down on you. I'm here to learn to be a true worshiper. I went through a season in my life where God told me, Zenzo, United Night of Worship has become your idol. 
You know why? For some of you who don't know, we started a ministry called United Night of Worship. It grew so much and grew so quickly. And I was spending all my time with this thing. And God told me, Zenzo, I'm jealous of your ministry. You're spending more time with your ministry than with me. God said, you used to spend time with me. You used to wait in my presence. I can't get you anymore because you're busy putting these nights of worship all across America. You're, You're more important now. And God says, this thing has become an idol. I went through a season when God said to me, Zenzo, (laughs) Zenzo, Bethel music has become an idol to you. God said to me, Zenzo, you know more lyrics from Bethel music than you know scripture. And he said, it's become an idol to you. And I knew it was an idol because one day my internet was not working and I wanted to worship God so bad. And I went to YouTube and I could not type Bethel and nothing could come out. And I said, God, I can't worship today because there's no internet. And God said, Bethel has become your idol. And God told me to take one month without Bethel music. And I said, God, I can't do it. He said, you see, that's your idol. Came a time where I knew more about Bill Johnson than Jesus. I studied about that man. I knew that he loves to fish. He loves to do this. I knew what kind of pills he took. I knew everything about him. God said, you know more about this. Dude, you worship this. He's your idol, not Jesus. So God told me to take a month. I said, God, how can I go a month without Bethel and Hillsong? I'm going to die. So I started, listen to these worshipers. I started going into this room. This is where my life was transformed. I started going into this room and I'd go in there. No books from Joel Austin. No books from Bill Johnson. No books from anybody. No music from all these guys. I went into a room, just me and the Bible. And I started waiting upon God. And I started knowing God for myself. And something began to happen inside of me. Somebody shout hallelujah. That's true worship. Some of us call ourselves worshipers, but we worship personalities and idols. Try stay away from those books. Try stay away from that stuff. I, I was on the forefront of doing this night of worship, and it became my idol. It became my idol. So I'm learning how to worship. So I started putting it down. I started putting it away. I want you to take a moment here and just say, God, teach me how to worship. Come on, God, teach me how to worship. Come on, say, God, teach me how to worship. Oh, Jesus. Number three, true worshipers know that music is not worship, but simply a vehicle. You begin to place your worth and your value on other things, not God. God began to teach me that worship is not what you do. It's a lifestyle. Somebody say lifestyle. One time I was at a conference in Jacksonville, Florida. And it was a, I had gone through a long day of learning so much. And, and in the evening I got to my hotel and I took a shower and freshened up and said, I'm going to go back into the city and just see Jacksonville and, and, and get a good dinner. And as I was pulling out of my hotel... I saw this little young lady, looked like she was a teenager, looked really young, and 
right there on the highway walking, and it was kind of getting dark. And I, I'm thinking to myself, oh, my God, this poor little child, this on the highway by herself, something crazy must be going on. Maybe somebody left her here or something. She was stopping me. Stopping. She looked desperate. So me being generous, I stopped by and said, hey, young lady, where are you going? She said, a few exits down the road. Please help me, please. And I said, come on, jump in. I was just kind of tired. I said, jump in. Listen, I'm going to drive. When we get close to your area, tell me where you want to get off. So we kept driving and driving, and she wasn't really telling me where to get off. So I figured I would ask. I said, hey, so where is it that you're getting off again? And she looks at me. She says, I'm going wherever you're going. I'm, so I'm a little naive, y'all. I'm, I'm kind of African. I'm a church boy, too. So I'm like, I'm thinking she's trying to be funny, right? I'm really tired. I'm like, ah, listen. <laughs> but seriously, where do you want me to drop you? I'm tired. She said, I am going wherever you're going, and I'm going to be with you for however long you want me to be with you. And I'm thinking, and then for a second, it dawns on me, she's a prostitute. Hey! I am shaking. Sir James, I'm shivering, man. I'm thinking I'm going to get arrested tonight. I'm going to be on tonight news like this preacher in Jacksonville. <laughs> I mean, I'm shaking at this point. Seriously, I'm shaking. And so I'm getting a little upset. I'm saying, seriously? I said, woman, I want you to know this. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not that kind of type. Matter of fact, I'm a preacher of the gospel. She says to me, pastors and preachers are my best customers. I service them all the time in the city. I'm like, oh, my God. You, you kidding me? I'm like, she's not going to make this easy. So I'm getting really upset now. now. Now, I literally, no joke, I start to pray in tongues in front of her. And I say, young lady, you met the right preacher today. I said, there must be a, a mother or somebody praying for you because today you met with destiny today. I'm going to make you receive Jesus. And I, listen, I, I, I stopped somewhere. I stopped somewhere and she opened the door and ran off. The poor girl ran off. Now, this girl wasn't even dressed like a prostitute. She didn't have that crazy makeup and stuff and the small. She was looking like a normal little child, literally. Girl looked like a looked like my little sister. And I was moved with compassion. Moved with compassion. Chris, you can jump on the piano, set the atmosphere. Paul, you can come out. Let's appreciate these amazing musicians. We're gonna shift here. A prostitute exchanges intimacy with you for money. That's what a prostitute does. That little girl would have pretended to be my wife for that night and exchanged intimacy with me, not because she loves me, but because she wants money. Without money, that little girl has nothing to do with me. Many people who call themselves worshipers are not worshipers. They come in church, they lift up their hands, and they try to exchange intimacy with God for stuff. God, I'll worship you if you give me that job. I will love you today. I'll kiss you with my worship if you give me a raise. I'll do whatever it takes. I'll praise you. I'll love on you. 
I'll struck you with my worship. Just give me that house. We're not worshipers. That's not what true worship is. And I'm learning to be a true worshiper. A lot of what we call true worship is not worship. We worship personalities. We worship movements. We worship events. Truth be told, you're really more excited about the events more than the one who is in charge of the event. It's God. And you run off there pretending like you love Jesus that much. We're just prostituting him for what we want. God wants us to be true worshipers. So we lift our hands. God, I love you. God, I'll do anything for you. A true worshiper is not a prostitute. A true worshiper is a wife. Whether you have a job or not, that wife will stay with you. Whether you're sick or not, a good wife will stay right there with you. If you only worship because you have a good job, you're not a worshiper. If you only worship when things are going well, I got a good paycheck this week, I'll worship you. You're not a worshiper. Worship is a lifestyle. A true worshiper worships. You can be sick, tears in your eyes, but God, I love you and I trust you because my life is all about worship. You can be at a place where I don't have a job. God, I don't understand. I need a job, but whether you give me a job or not, I'll still worship you. You deserve my worship because I am a true worshiper and I am in love with you. God, I don't understand why my mother died. I don't understand why my father died or I don't understand why my child died but I love you from the depth of my being in tears in brokenness I love you God I don't understand why thy boyfriend left me I don't understand why that girlfriend left me I don't understand why I was divorced I don't understand why this brokenness but God I am yours forever and I love you and I trust you and I want you you are everything to me I praise you I bless you I will worship you I don't only worship when I feel like worshiping no a true worshiper doesn't worship because they feel like it they worship God then they feel God a true worshiper doesn't come and worship just because things are going well a true worshiper will worship at the depth of their being that's why you find people today in the Middle East they're in places where they'll, they'll get killed if they worship and they stand up and they say, I'll worship anyway. They don't care about our conferences. They don't care about our little nights of worship. They don't care about United Night of Worship. They don't care about the lights and, and the strobe lights. And the, the, the lights are not worship. The lights are not the presence of God. That's atmosphere. You have to tell the difference between atmosphere and God's presence. We need to become worshipers in America. We need to repent cry out to God and become worshipers again. It's time to let go and separate out of things. It's time to become true worshipers. 
Some of you, God's going to ask you to put some of those books, some of that music, and it's just going to be you and God for the first time. You're going to become a true worshiper. You're going to be someone who's hungry for God. God, give us a hunger for you. God, give us a passion for you. God, raise up a generation that loves you. Raise up a generation that fears you. Oh, God, we worship you. The earth is the Lord's and his fullness thereof. For he, the world and everything that dwell therein, for he has founded it upon the seas and established it upon the waters for who shall ascend the hill of the Lord he who has clean hands and a pure and a pure heart he who has not lifted up a sword to an idol they shall be they shall receive the blessing of the Lord and the righteousness of God the God of our salvation it's time to become true worshipers. It's time to be hungry for God again. America come back to God. Boston come back to God. It's time to be worshipers again. It's time to be worshipers again. God's presence just descended in this place. Can you feel that? Can you feel that? I feel the presence of God in this room. That's him. He's tugging on your heart. He's calling you. He's calling you. Stand up if you can. Stand up if you can. Abraham went to worship and he only had three things. He had wood. Somebody say wood. Real worship. Wood stands for the cross. The tree that Jesus hang on. Real worship is surrender to the finished work of Calvary. Can you surrender to Jesus? Can you say yes God whatever you ask of me whatever you want me to do I'll go and the knife is the cutting away separation the removing of unwanted things a true worshiper lives a life of separation and the fire it's a process of obedience God will get you through seasons that are crazy seasons where you don't understand what's going on but he's processing you and he's refining you when 9-11 happened in New York on that Tuesday morning, there was two groups of people. There was a group of people, guys, there was a group of people that was running towards, that was running away from the fire, right? Because the Twin Towers were bombed and they were running away from the fire. But there was another group of people that was running towards the fire you know why because they had a lifestyle and their lifestyle was that they were firemen and they were policemen so while everybody else was running away from the fire they were running towards the fire I'm sure there was a father that morning who was probably having breakfast with their family and their phone went off or their beeper or their pager whatever went off and they said kids honey you're going to have to finish this breakfast without me because I have to go and do what I was made to do. You were meant to worship. We have to stop this thing where we worship out of convenience in this nation. Let's become true worshipers. Hallelujah. Come on, lift up your hands if you can. Give him your heart. 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 
We're going to become true worshipers today. We're going to become true worshipers today. to you whatever you tell me to do I'll do whatever you tell me to lay down I'll lay down it's not gonna be easy it might hurt the knife hurts but I worship you we worship you Jesus